Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan. I'm a writer and producer. I'm here in Pasadena, California. And uh, things are pretty good here, I have to say. I'm okay with the quarantine. Liz, how you doing there? Well, I'm here in Santa Monica, Leanne, and I'm, I'm feuding with Siri. Basically, you know you know how sometimes you're, the operating system on your phone updates and then just, I don't know, things are different? And yeah. I, Siri just keeps asking me stuff. I, I, I do not like interacting with Siri. So, and it, she just kept turning things or is it a he? I don't know. Anyway, I finally just had to turn off Siri. So I'm confessing that right here. Okay. And that's really just the beginning of some of your issues, right? Liz, today we're going <laughs> to, gonna... I'm not that good at quarantining. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's coming up on the show. Yeah, I have a list of new things I'm doing and learning during quarantine. So we're going to do that. We have entertaining sisters. We have a couple of recommendations, TV shows, podcasts, a few things like that. Uh, Of course, we have some book news. I have exciting book news for the Sweeney sisters. So I'm going to tell you all about that. If you have a book club that might be reading the Sweeney sisters, one, I appreciate it. And two, I've got something for you. So stay tuned. Yeah. Um, But Liz, we're actually devoting a chunk of the show today to questions about work. We're tapping into your expertise, uh, uh, not as a chef, Liz, but as a chief marketing (laughs) officer at Corporate Big Way. We're doing it because we had a lot of work questions. We did. We did. We're we're calling it Working It Out, Leanne. Satellite Sisters Working It Out. And so uh, you posted many, many great questions in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group when I sort of reached out and said, what's on your mind? So we're going to tackle two or three of them today and then do this regularly. If we can be helpful, we're going to try to be helpful. As Leanne reminded me, I have no expertise in cooking, but a lot of expertise in <laughs> business leadership advice. So so we're going with that. So, so I've been downgraded to, yeah. No, no, I'm just saying, well, you know, let's make the most of your skills list. It's that, true. I think, You're right. that's, I think that's my job as the producer is to build you up, not to okay. tear you down. Okay. All right. We Thank should you. also mention, if you notice, Sister Julie isn't here today. Uh, parent-teacher conferences, I don't know, in-service day. Um, no, Julie is uh, the chair of the board of this nonprofit that works with child care centers in Dallas, and they're having a big meeting today. And so she is off running that meeting and doing some vital work, actually, for this period of time. Uh, she needs to meet with those child care centers and get them going again in Texas. So she will be back uh, in a couple weeks. Um, all right. Uh, what, what happened to me this week, Liz? I had my first teledoc appointment. Oh yeah. You know, I, I've never done that. How'd that go for you? 
So here's the thing. It was with my surgeon. Um, I have to check in. As If you're new to the show, you might not know I had surgery last fall for colon cancer. Um, I was diagnosed in August. It was an early stage. I had about a foot of my colon removed. <laughs> and then I had, I didn't need follow-up chemo or radiation, but I do have follow-up appointments with both the oncologist and a surgeon. So I was meeting with my surgeon and of course, you know, I had colon cancer. So his first question is, so how are your bowels? And (laughs) (laughs) well, it's almost better than that. You're not face to face in a room with someone asking you that, I think. I mean, I think it's the question of our day. Isn't that really the essential question? No matter what is going on, when you boil it all down, how are you about? Okay, I'm so... going to start asking people that instead of, so how are you doing? <laughs> I mean, it just made me laugh out loud. And of course, I was like, they're good. Thanks. You know? <laughs> so... So it is funny, but here's what happened. I was, it was unexpected. I mean, of course he's a surgeon. So I, I'm, I'm in my office where I've been doing so many virtual book events. So I have my lighting on and I have my book in the background and my flower arrangement. He's like, so can I take a look at your scars? So I had to drop drawers on the tele <laughs> doc appointment. Oh, that's so funny. Of course you did. Of course, of course he needs to look. I didn't even think I was so used to just dressing for the top of me. Like I, when he said that, I was like, you want to look at my scars? Um, I had to just do a mental check. Like, is that, what am I wearing down there? So uh, <laughs> fortunately I was fully clothed and I, I had some cute me undies on. So that really w- played, played out for me, but it was just one of the new things I'm <laughs> I'm conquering the teledoc appointment. It was pretty satisfying, actually. So, uh, you know, you didn't need need special lighting for that surgical lighting. I mean, first of all, it's terrifying, actually, like putting your your abdomen up against your, you know, your camera on your laptop. That's not attractive, Liz. (laughs) (laughs) Just think of the security implications of that. Oh, my God. I know. I mean, it is a special, allegedly like a special, super secure thing. Uh, You have to sign a waiver and it's a different kind of link and stuff like that. So it's not it isn't just a, hey, here's the Zoom link. But um, yeah, it's a little sketch. It is reminding me of a little sketch, but uh, just just the scars. But things are okay. I'm looking good. uh, So that's good. And I feel great. So that's important. And I was glad to check that off my list because. I mean, a lot of people who are in treatment for various things, they haven't been yeah. able to even go to the their doctor's office, never mind the hospital. So I was happy to be able to check that off my list. Um, okay, congrats. That's good. A couple other things I'm doing in quarantine, like I can observe now. I, I've noticed that, um, you know, I used to just talk to my dog all the time, uh, and that's normal, right? But now, now I'm doing both sides of the conversation. I'm oh. talking to her, and then I'm responding to myself in a dog voice. So that... <laughs> We'd like to see that on Zoom. <laughs> just, you know, like, oh, what do you want, Steph? Well, we wake some uh, bone, Mom. I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but I am doing two sides of the conversation now. Uh, I noticed yesterday I went to the Vons. I just want to shout out to my grocery store. It is the cleanest place in America. It is the best run grocery store. I wish the manager of the Vons, I wish she or he, was the president of the free world because they are doing a fantastic job. So I was very lucky. You're very lucky. Very lucky. So shout out to Vons. But 
still no cleaning products. Like you walk in, no wipes. Uh, you know, now there aren't even any, um, you, there's nothing for your dishwasher. There's nothing. So I just find that I buy whatever is available in the cleaning aisle, even if I don't need it. So now all of my toilet water is blue because I started buying those blue, <laughs> blue toilet towels. I mean, it's the only thing left. So I just buy it. Okay, fine. Okay. Well, does that does that kill the virus if it happens to be? Yeah, why not? I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I don't. I don't know what else to do because there are no wipes left. Uh, and then, and finally, I realized that Beric and I. I mean, we've been married 27 years. I thought we had more in common in terms of television than just sports, but but apparently no, because. Every night, it's the same conversation. Do you want to watch this? No, I do not. Or I'll ask him, do you want to watch this? No, I don't. We have nothing. We have nothing but sports. Why didn't I not notice this before? But we have found common ground with Golden Girls. We've been oh. enjoying the Golden Girls occasionally. So that's, so that's so funny, it. Because I saw a promo for the Golden Girls the other night, and I thought, who the heck is watching the Golden Girls? So, like, who watches that now in this day and age? Okay, you've answered the question. Probably everybody needs a everybody. little Golden Girls in their life right now. Yes. Liz, if you haven't watched that show, watch it. It was so ahead of its time. I mean, I used Uh, to watch it with mom when I was in high school. We would watch it the first time around. And it was such a naughty show. It it was was really racy. I mean, those Golden Girls are funny, Liz. They're going to give you the boost you need at night. So Okay. All right. There you go. (laughs) Okay. Well, I've adopted a new slogan here in my quarantining. Uh, My new slogan is stop the slide. Just stop the slide. Um, cause we're two months in now and we probably have some more ahead of us. So I can't just <clears throat> keep getting worse at everything. Like I, <laughs> you know, my standards, yep. my standards have been consistently lowering for two months and I need to stop the slide. So like I, I'm, I'm pretty good at working from home. I already worked from home most of the time, but I'm terrible now I see at exercising from home. And so I, I was I was doing some of the, the beach body on demand things like stretch classes and stuff. But I, I, I just was doing it less and less as the weeks wore on and or bailing halfway through or you're supposed to do 20 of something. I'm doing five. Right. So that was not good. I was getting uh, it was not good. I had to stop the slides. So I reached that. Remember, right before uh, the current unpleasantness started, I had started a strength training program. With my, yeah. friend, with my friend Vashera that we were calling Fight Camp. And uh, so a, a trainer had put together a strength training program for us. when We were doing it our own. Anyway, I reached out to that trainer. I was like, help me. <laughs> anyway, so I did an online one-to-one with her yesterday. And it was a just a dramatic improvement in my emotional and physical engagement. And so I really liked doing a familiar routine with a familiar person. So, uh, so I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to stick with that. Do you have all the weights and stuff at home? Believe it or not, I had a, a set of three pound weights. (laughs) It's fun. It's fun. So, okay. So it's, it's not that, it's not that aggressive. It's very hard to buy new ones, but I have a lot of bands. I always had a lot of bands. So, so we could, and three pound weights better than nothing. Yeah. No, three pound weights. Still have, I mean, they've been like under my bed for about five years. Yeah. They still had the big five price tag on them. So, <laughs> so I had, not, so I was glad I could, you know, christen the weights that I bought more than five years ago. Um, 
I am. Second thing is I am conducting a small science experiment with my hair. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Uh, the, um, you know, I had been coloring my hair at home anyway. So I, Madison Reed was, was a sponsor of my other show, but anyway, I really liked it, but I just decided like, okay, two months into this experiment of finding out what my hair would really look like if I didn't dye it, am I going to color it now or just let it ride? So I decided to let it ride. And you and I had a contactless engagement over the weekend. Yes. With massive social distancing involved. But you had a chance to take a look at my hair and you encouraged me to let it ride. I thought it looked great. Uh, yeah, I was. I mean, and that was un like you didn't ask me. I was looking at you talking. I was like, well, you know, she looks pretty good like that. That that's a good color. You looked kind of sophisticated with the salt and pepper. I don't know. I, I like. I think, so I, I think. I think it's because. I think it's because you were so far away. Frankly, yeah. I think it was more of the. That was more in effect. anyway. But I thought I'm never going to get a chance again to find right. out what it would look like. So so I'm doing that. And then um, number three, it turns out that. Um, that the my fear that I would have to, like that I needed to keep my place organized and clean because who knows anytime someone could come over. Turns out once you remove that fear, I do let things slide unbelievably. That that's especially um, it's the vacuuming I I hate so much. So I'm really disappointed in myself how far I let things go. So my new trick is to. Um, maintain visual contact with my vacuum. And that, that just means that instead of putting it away in the vacuum closet after I vacuum, I'm leaving it not in the middle of my dining room or living, living room, but I'm leaving it someplace prominent enough so that I'm constantly reminded that my vacuum exists, that I could vacuum if I wanted to. So, so we'll see how that works. That's it. <laughs> that seems pretty basic, but I believe in you, Liz. <laughs> that you actually have to see your vacuum to remind yourself wow well i it's okay. just you know i was i was aware that things yeah. needed vacuuming but i just i don't like things that are loud you know your your vacuum cleaners your blow dryers your leaf blowers or any of that i just don't like loud things okay so but anyway so th that's what i'm trying now maintain some kind of visual contact with the vacuum as just to trigger my, yeah, just a little reminder that it's just not that hard. You can do it in two minutes, right? You can so, do it in two minutes. Yes. Yeah. As our mother said, just 10 minutes a day, like the constant sweeping that she did after every yeah. meal, just 10 yeah. minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, she would say. So you can do it. Oh, you can do okay. it. All well, right. that's it. Cause it is true. Like you, you have to stop the slide. You have to get a grip. Now's the time. So yes. good, you have good to idea. like completely reset your priorities right. because it's, it's not going away anytime soon. I mean, even if some things change, I think we're in it for the long haul. So right. like how soon is someone coming over to my home for, to be entertained? Not soon. So but that doesn't mean that you can't have pride of ownership there. Yes. It's like my, it's like my husband said today, June one, I'm going back to suits. Like even if he's the only one in the <laughs> office, he's going to put his suit on June one. So wow. he's ready. Wow. He, yeah, is a, he is a solid citizen. He <laughs> will be the last man in Los Angeles wearing a suit. 
All right. Uh, coming up, we have Satellite Sisters working it out. You put out some of your uh, concerns about your work life, fears, you know, questions. And Liz is going to tackle some of them. So stay tuned. We have questions on ageism and fear and leadership. We're going to talk about that. Um, but first, we want to thank a couple of our sponsors. All right, we're back, and it's it's time to do to work it out. Is that what we're calling this? Working it out, working it out, Work it, working it out. Satellite working Sisters it. working it out. Yeah, this was you know as many of you know, Leanne produces the show. So so the other day, you sent me an email saying, "Hey, people probably have a lot of workplace issues, and this is sort of what you do for a living, and you did lead several major Fortune 500 companies, so maybe you should get back into the swing of." helping people work through their workplace issues. And and I think it's true. So I posted a question in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, you know, just generally like, how's work working for you? What are you doing? What are you, what are you worried about? What are you thinking about? And Lee, and you saw, we got so many comments. I mean, yes, it right. just came pouring. I think there's so much anxiety around such a range of issues. So we may not be able to solve your problems, but we do want you to know that you're heard. And also within our community, I think we can really help each other. You know, that's one great thing about, about the Satellite Sisterhood is that people are there for each other. And, you know, I mean, we've always known this from the email that we get. We have people who are in retail, hospitality, on the medical front lines, in construction. You know, Diane works at a truck stop. We, you know, Leanne, we've always had a lot of postal workers, mm -hmm. right? The uh, yep. ed education at every level, sales, restaurant owners, small business owners, travel agents. And a lot of these jobs really can't be worked from home. So they have particular issues around that. So I picked out two themes that I thought we could talk about, three we're going to talk about this week. And then we'll keep doing this because you have a lot on your minds and maybe we can help just by talking about it. The first one, there were a lot of issues around age, ageism, um, your career ending, um, th this was really, you know, Maxine just wrote, when I said, what are your issues? She only had one word in her answer, ageism. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Betsy was, she was 17 years with the same company and, you know, so she got let go in February, but now how is she going to find, she's in her early sixties. How could she find another job in the current job market? Um, you know, Sharon, says she's just fearful about going back, but if she doesn't go back, she's got like this two-year gap before she would qualify for Medicare. And the, the thing she said, there were, that really stuck to me. She said, I didn't think 20, 26 years with one company would end this way. Right. And, and then, right. Think and, about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, nobody did, Sharon. Right. And Deb used a word that really kind of caught in my throat because I know this feeling. She said, deciding not to go back to my job was hard. I had planned to work a few more years before retiring, but now I'm sad to leave people I liked adrift. Adrift is the way Deb feels. And don't you think a lot of people out there, that's kind of where they are? I I do. It's sort of the opposite end of the spectrum from when we were talking about graduation last yeah. week. Like It's just this unnatural ending there's no ceremony, and then they're just right. launched into nothingness. And I'm sure at the other end of that work spectrum, if you are in your late 50s, early 60s, you weren't quite ready to retire. Like, yeah. Now what? Like, now yeah. what? And now how? And this, yeah, yeah. This, none of us yeah. thought this was going to happen. Or right. in this way. Yep. 
So from my perspective, just as a business person, having uh, just my one of my big fears um, is that these looming layoffs will actually kind of create a smokescreen for employers to get rid of their older employees, you know, because issues like ageism that were prevalent before the pandemic are certainly not going to go away in the teeth of a global crisis. So how do you... um, how do you make yourself visible to your company, valuable to your company? It's more important now than ever, but I, I do fear that w- it will accelerate. Um, the, and some of it is just like the fear of older employees, that the older employees are r- medically riskier now. Right, right. A friend of mine, I, uh, go ahead. Well, the, I've been, I think many of us have been surprised by the language out there in the public and the news and everything making like we don't feel old in right. our 50s and 60s, but we're now this high risk population that like must be shielded. It's been kind of shocking. So and, yeah. and so you take that from the public rhetoric and you translate it to, you know, a, a 35 year old boss looking at their employees. You can kind of understand like, yeah. oh, my gosh, now I, I didn't feel old before, but I sure feel old now. I know we were Julie and I were joking at the beginning of the pandemic that because we're over 60, we were in the category that was considered elderly. And, but we were laughing that at least we could get in an hour early to Whole Foods. Now, it just means you are really more suspect. A friend of mine, this was unbelievable. A friend of mine had her boss, she's a highly placed executive at a very fancy company. And her boss, the CEO said that after the work from home restrictions are lifted, no one over 50 will ever be required to come to the office again. Now, oh gosh. Now, on the one hand, you think, okay, well, that's a relief, especially in Los Angeles, no commute. On the other hand, how do you manage your career in an environment where you would have such limited visibility to the leadership of the company? So she's got a CEO who is half her age. And so how- Literally. How- Right? Doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, literally, literally, literally yeah. half her age. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, I mean, how do you? So, one of my fears, besides just that layoffs could target older people, is also that just your career trajectory will get completely truncated now. You know, so that's so this is not good news because people, yeah, I'm here to tell you, you have a right to be concerned and you need to do everything you can to think about. Do you want to take early retirement for now or do you what would it take for you to create a higher level of visibility with your boss or bosses without putting yourself at some kind of risk? You know, I think that and the protections, obviously, they vary pretty widely state by state. I think most people think that full retirement age is 65. But if you really want to get your full Social Security benefit, that doesn't start till 66 or 67. So you really have to think about that. And, you know, 62 is the earliest you can claim Social Security. Um, but just be very mindful of that. So I put I put a link in the show notes um, that's an article from Forbes about if you feel like you're being forced to retire early, um, how should you be thinking about that, finan- mainly financially? And I would say anyone who's in that position, obviously getting professional help, talking to an expert about when your benefits kick in, all of that, that's important. But the other thing I think is really important for people to think about is, and this is why the word adrift stuck with me so much, 
The social interaction that we all get from our workplace, I think, really is important to our happiness. Yeah. And it always has been to me, you know, I've I've liked being in a workplace. I've liked being on teams. I really, and I think for most of us, even though we complain about our coworkers, you know, it's actually, it's fun to go to a place, to be with people. So the, I think my fear is that, so not only does your money get cut off, but your social interaction gets cut off as it would anyway, if you were retiring, but particularly in the teeth of a pandemic, it could just so much add to your social isolation. So people, people really need to think about how to replace that or do they need someone to talk to about that? It would be a good time to, you know, seek counseling or therapy. There's so much of that you can do online now. I think that the, the social, everyone's worried about the money, but they also need to worry about just their, their mental health because that's a huge shock to go 26 years in a company. And then all of a sudden, not only are you no longer working there, but you can barely leave your house. So right, right. that's a big one. Yeah. It's almost like the minute you decide to do that, then you start to really feel old. If you didn't feel old before, boy, you might feel old now. And then so many of the, you know, places that you could volunteer or make a successful retirement plan, you can't do that anymore. So you're absolutely, yeah, you're absolutely right, Liz. That social interaction, that's a big gap. That's a deficit that's going to be hard to forget about that. Yeah, and, you know, right. and a lot of retired people work part time at something else. Right. And so those are the jobs that have gone away, too. You know, there are a lot of retired people in the gig economy. You know, how many older folks have? Well, I know you hate Uber driver. You know, you don't like to take Uber. But, I don't hate know. them. I just don't use them. I don't believe in it. But I know people do it, Liz. <laughs> But those sort of customer facing jobs in the gig economy that older people have had, whether it's an Uber driver or a greeter at Walmart, those are exactly the kind of jobs that are risky for you to have, um, right. you know, later in life. So um, those have gone away. So you just need to be mindful and creative about what what you really need in your life to, to make this work over the long haul. So uh, so that's what I would say about that. And that this is what this is what friends are for. Make sure you're right. talking to people. Uh, nobody is going through this alone. Then the the other big issue that came up in the Facebook group was, um, you know, fear of going back to the office, which you can totally understand that people people who are being asked to come back now want some kind of reassurance that it's safe to be back. And as I mentioned at the top of this, we have a lot of people that are not going to be able to work from home in the sisterhood, you know, because of kinds of jobs they have. So we got, got a bunch of emails like that. Emma um, said, navigating the kitchen is the worst. So workplace kitchens, can you imagine? She said, navigating the kitchen is the worst as everyone's touching the same taps, kettle, fridge, microwave. Someone has to unload the dishwasher. Oh my God. Uh, So, you know, and then it's like the scanner, the photocopier. Right. People are, and I know there are all these workplace rules now about this, but do you trust your workplace to follow those rules? It's just a, a huge issue. Um, Carol said that's her business, biggest anxiety about reporting back to work is that it wasn't very clean before her office and plenty of illnesses were passed around. So she's not confident that the health protocols will be followed for very long. So 
Yeah, you can look again. I put another link in the show notes, a really good article from Time about going back to work, coronavirus rights. That was a good article. Very complete, Liz. Very complete. Yeah, so you need to know what your rights are. The you know, but then many of you do have, or some of you have employers that you do trust. Chris wrote, "I'm so fortunate to work for the company I do. They almost completely shut down in mid March, and they're giving us full pay. They're going above and beyond to ensure our safety as we return. Masks, temp checks, regular cleaning, lots of rules that we all appreciate. Yeah, if there was ever a time for rules, this is it, and for following the rules." And Tamara has the husband who's going back into a shop where she has no confidence the workplace will follow the guidelines that could, because they've been essential and open the whole time. They haven't been following any of the safety guidelines, including the owner from the very top. So this is where I think you have to be willing to like make the call to OSHA or make the call to the National Labor Relations Board. Um, and we kind of have to stick together on a lot of these things. It's why, you know, collective action is kind of the key. If you, if you have a union, go to your union and make sure they're sticking up for you. If you have some kind of employment group or you want to rally them, I think, I think we have to stick together and be, you know, be pretty demanding of what constitutes safe. And the government should be able to come in and check some of these things, but again, varies pretty widely state by state. We're lucky, and we both live in California. California's very aggressive about worker rights and workplace rights, but other parts of the country, not so much. And Liz, what do, what do you think about the subtle costs of people who may, you know, just not being called a team player? You exactly. know, oh, come on, we just, you know, let's, we're all in this together, except, except you. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's why collective action is the only way to go. There was somebody in the Facebook group, Leanne, who I forgot the name, who said, like, she called out in a Zoom call, a group Zoom call, some of her concerns about the actual workplace and had they really corrected anything. And that did not go down well in a group environment to be, you can do your Norma Ray thing, right? That's what you're talking right. about. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, the Norma Ray for workplace safety or even just this, when you say not a team player, yeah, you can stay home. And then it just reinforces to people that, well, you're too old or we don't really want you. And again, technically, your rights are protected. And a lot of that is laid out in this Time article that I put in the show notes. But culturally, I just know from all those years of doing Safe for Work that there are a lot of like small businesses out there where there's no HR department. There's right. no legal department. There's no, there's just a bunch of people working together, like under goodwill, but like, it's pretty much up to the boss or somebody to know the rules and follow the rules. And that can be really hard. If your business is in crisis, how much time are you really spending thinking about cleaning the bathroom? You know, right. It's just, it's very difficult to say just because the rules exist that they're going to get followed, you know, like. Uh, Beckett, longtime listener Beckett, who is also history chick Beckett, um, she, she she works in what she calls a virus denial office, and you know there are plenty of those around. We heard a right. lot of that from people, and so she very, very concerned about the whole thing, but especially kitchens and bathrooms. Now I know in a lot of work environments that have already opened, they've just shut down the kitchens, no more group kitchen. 
Um, but you can't shut down the bathrooms. No. So she, she joked that she will spend her lunch hour driving 30 minutes home to use the bathroom and then driving 30, 30 minutes back. <laughs> and I know even among my own friends, there have been a lot of dark jokes about using those astronaut diapers at work. <laughs> so, you, so you don't have to use the bathroom, but it's, it's terrible that this is what we're thinking about. But it's a completely legitimate concern. Right. You know, no, I, my husband's trying to figure out how to get his team back in and um and he he thinks literally thinks about it every day all night long like he's yeah really a thoughtful leader but the other day I said well what about the bathrooms and that was like a light bulb like because they're down the hall it hadn't really occurred to him and he was yeah. like oh the bathrooms like <laughs> right I mean it's a big deal the bathrooms I know I know and these are people not necessarily but they're trying to save their companies. Right. You know? And so, the jobs. Yeah. Yes. yes, they yeah. are. Yeah. So you can understand why, like, all of the, the niceties, not niceties, but, like, what it's going to take to keep places safe and clean. Nobody was trained for this, you know? I know a lot of companies are also working on plans for what they call platooning, you know, where only one-third of your employees come in on any given day. So right. they have to... They have to figure all of that out. I'll, yeah, I'll just say this. No one was trained for this. So we have to support each other and trust each other. And if you feel like you're not being supported, you have to find a way to speak up about it, uh, either to authorities or through collective action at your workplace. Leon, imagine if we were still in a traditional radio job. We used to be part of the, you know, SAG-AFTRA is the radio union. Right. Going into those those radio studios are like petri dishes they are germs yeah people all breathing on the same stuff like you just have to assume that your union is stepping up and uh, making sure that the employers put in some new regulations around that right i mean my son's a photographer here in los angeles and very slowly starting to do some work after eight weeks of not doing work. But again, that's where the unions here, like they're going to figure it out because yeah. they want to get people back to work and yeah. they're going to, you know, you hope put in some, you know, put in some good regulations and get people back to work. But yeah, it's, it's very complicated. Liz, it sort of begs the question Nancy asked and I, a lot of people chimed in. What do you think leadership actually looks like? You know, what What does good leadership look like in this time of worldwide uncertainty, Nancy asked? Yeah. You know, I mean, leadership during any crisis, um, the, the important thing is to be as transparent as you can with your team, but also think long term for the business. Right. And I've never been through a crisis like this where I had to run a big team, but I've been through other worldwide recessions and things. And what I always found the hardest is you want to tell people the truth about what's happening, but A, you don't know necessarily. And B, one thing you do know is that there probably are layoffs in the future. So you want to give people confidence about their jobs at the same time that you're being realistic about how you're probably going to have to trim your workforce. So it's an incredibly hard time to be a good leader, but because you want to communicate confidence in the future. Uh, and I, I, one other thing, there was somebody who wrote a note about how just like, what a waste of time. I think I put this in my notes. Who was it? Like, 
um, oh yeah, so Maggie wrote, executing a, on, like I said, what's your biggest problem? She said, executing on strategic goals set pre-pandemic in a post-pandemic world with fewer resources. Right. So if you're the leader, don't make people do that. Right. You have to, you have, <laughs> right. right. You just have to right. completely, you have to completely reorder your priorities. Like don't just make people keep going through the motions. And Jenny chimed in. She said, yes, I second this challenge. I'm supposed to be doing our regular quarterly reports, but it feels so pointless to report on things we clearly can't do now. So yeah, your leaders need to take that off your plate. You, the leaders need to like really cut it back to the key priorities and then try to be as honest and direct um, as they can be. And so that's in your communication to the team. But if you're the leader, you know, at any level, even if you like you're the shop steward in a, in a place or something, you know, you have to remember that you're not the only one going through this. So seek help from people who are you know, talk to other people because nobody's ever done this before. So there's no, there's no playbook. Right. So right. try to talk to people and um, share ideas because it's going to take great resourcefulness to come out of this. And the second thing I'd say is to remember you're going forward, not going back. Right. You have to find a way to go to something new. You should not be working on going back to what existed before. That's, not the plan, right? And I think I think the natural human instinct is to just want to go back to where we were. And y you have to you have to fight that instinct in in yourself and also in your business because there's no there's no going back, I think. And that's interesting. Barrick was just explaining that on a call the other day to his employees like I'm not just making a post pandemic plan. This is the plan for the future. Like, yes. This exactly. is it. This is the new plan. It's yeah. not, it's not just a temporary plan. It's how we go forward. Yeah. I'll tell him he'll be happy that you back, <laughs> backed him up. I heard yeah. a really great interview. I think it was Katie Kirk that was talking to Danny Meyer, you know, the Shake Shack guy. That was and, a great interview. I heard that, that too. And, and he said, he said, this is the greatest global challenge of leadership that there's ever been. This mm -hmm. is, you know, the really good leaders will emerge from this in terms of, I think, what did not nimble? He had a great word for it. Just it was like nimble leadership or strategic leadership. But it was a, it, it just it sort of was an eye opener. Like, this is it. We've never had a leadership challenge like this. So, you yeah. know, this is really going to test people. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I heard I heard that, too. If you don't listen to Katie Couric's podcast, you could. You should. It's consistently fantastic. Yeah. Um, so she interviewed Danny Meyer. And then um, I also heard another interview with David Chang, you know, Momofuku, David Chang. Yeah. And he was also thinking very big, deep thoughts about that. And it struck me that the restaurant business, and I know we have a bunch of listeners who noted that they can't figure out how to reopen their restaurants. That this is an area where for sure they have to completely invent some new new plan to go forward. Because this idea that you're going to be able to just reopen your restaurant with a third as many customers, well, that's not a moneymaker, people. That's not Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. And yeah. Danny Meyer had a lot of interesting scenarios about other businesses they could be in. He said something really fundamental. He said, we feed people. Oh, and Tom Colicchio, I sent you that one, too. <laughs> yes. Tom Colicchio. <laughs> Tom Colicchio did a great interview on Fresh Air with Terry yeah. Gross. He's the one who said, 
we feed people. Our services are always needed now more than ever. So we just need to figure out a new way to use those skills of getting healthy food to people that need to be fed. And yeah, they and they have to figure it out quickly. Those are all yeah, very thoughtful people thinking about the future is going to be wildly different than the past. There's no going back. But it was applicable to a lot of different businesses. Yes. You know, you could, I, I was quite inspired by that interview with Danny Meyer. Like, oh, yeah. okay, something, in, yeah, hmm, okay, let's think this through. So Yeah, yeah, no, that that's a good one. So that's, you know, those were the issues we thought we could talk about today. I did want to acknowledge that so many of you are facing the balancing act between childcare and work or childcare, elder care and work. Oh, and yeah. so, because you can't even imagine. So Jenny Mark posted two really thoughtful, like infographics, one called The Invisible Load and one called You Are Not Failing. And so go back to the group and look at those because they're thoughtful and provocative. And the You Are Not Failing one, Leanne, was really about like, you probably feel like you're failing because you're not really getting your job done and you're not really getting your kids educated and you're not really succeeding at anything right now, or you feel like you're not succeeding at anything right now. So Casey posted right under that, that she's working with a therapist right now on exactly that issue, like how to just not feel like you're failing. Right. So two weeks from now, I want us to talk about just that specific issue, the balancing act, Childcare, elder care, work, how are you making it work? Tara, longtime listener, Tara said, you know, right, work a full-time job while managing my son's schooling with all the worry of knowing massive layoffs are coming, but trying to stay on top of everything with calm and grumps and efficiency. It's not happening. I'm a mess. So, yeah, we hear you, Tara. I think a lot of people are a mess. So I think when we're back in two weeks, uh, we definitely want to talk about that. So I'll do a separate post asking for your comments on that. And maybe we can have another discussion like this, Leanne, because we're working it out here at Satellite Sisters. We're working it out. It's a good time to remind people that if you want to be part of our Satellite Sisters Facebook group, it's a private group. So everything you say there stays private. None of it's shareable. Your neighbors won't know. Your boss won't know. Uh, You do need to search us on Facebook. And then you need to answer a couple of questions. One, we just ask if you listen to the show and how do you listen to the show? The group is specifically for listeners of the Satellite Sisters podcast. So uh, now would be a great time to join. We've had a lot of new members lately. I think this pandemic has created a need for the kind of community we have over there on Satellite Sisters. And so if you want to be a part of this discussion, go to Facebook, search groups, the Satellite Sisters, and then just answer our questions. All right, Liz, good job. We're working it out. Good job, Liz. We are working it out. You did some research, man. (laughs) And, you know, the links are always in the show notes, but we can also scatter those links around at the Facebook group as well. Uh, But always in the show notes. You can always find them uh, at our website or in the show notes. We do. uh, We work hard on the show notes. All right. We'd like to thank a couple sponsors here at Satellite Sisters. All right, Liz, uh, we got some entertainment here. What's well, first, we have your big announcement. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is okay. good. This, I think people are going to be very excited to hear this because right. people need to know how, like, how how does their book club interact with Leon Dolan, author of uh, the much touted Sweeney Sisters? 
Well, here's the deal. So last week I spent several days taking a seminars on Crowdcast, uh, a, a platform that is meant for online events. And I was sold. I love the Crowdcast. I think it's a great way to hold an online event and particularly a book event. It works really well because my goal was to set up regularly scheduled book club meetings so that say you are reading the Sweeney sisters and you want your whole book club to read the Sweeney sisters. And then maybe you want to talk to Leanne about the Sweeney sisters. Yeah, I am ready to go. So I am announcing uh, starting June 1st, bring your own book clubs. Let's talk about the Sweeney sisters. It's a crowdcast platform. I'm going to put up all the information at leandolan.com every Wednesday I'll be there. All you have to do is sign up. I'll be there. I'm starting. I'm alternating, Liz. I'm doing one week at 7 p.m. Eastern and one week at 7 p.m. Pacific. It's an hour-long thing. It's a really fun format. You can come on and ask questions. There's a lively chat feature. There's a Q&A section. We've got polls going. It's totally free. And all you have to do is, is register. So I'm just putting this out there. Everything will be on my site next week. So I don't have registration up yet, but next week. So if you're meeting with your book club or trying to figure out what you're going to read for June, July, every Wednesday, there will be a Sweeney Sisters Bring Your Own Book Club event. So and, this, you know, yeah, I think it's going to be great. I've been in on some of these tests with you and this platform, it's better than Zoom people. It's going, it to, be, it's going to be nicer, friendlier. It's going to yeah. be good. Yeah. And, um, and so this week we're doing a soft launch. So Liz and I and 50 satellite sisters already signed up. We're at capacity. Um, we're doing a soft launch this week to test it out. Uh, but then in the future we'll go forward. These are private. We're not going to, they're not going to be streamed or anything like that. So we can have a lot of fun. You can ask any questions you want. These are specifically for people who have read the book. It will be spoiler filled because I noticed on the Facebook page, people are like, stop saying things about the book. I haven't read it yet. I'm like, well, I can figure something out. So two days worth of seminars with the Crowdcast crew uh, and we're all set. So that that's what I'm doing. Uh, so look for that announcement for sure, starting every Wednesday, June and July. And I will put all the links up when everything is good to go. I just wanted to announce it. If you're picking your um, your books now, uh, a lot of people are. I would love it. If you pick this out, the Sweeney sisters and I'm available every Wednesday night, I'll be there. And if there's interest then we'll go on into, I may take August off, but then go, you know, pick back up again in September when a lot of book clubs also pick back up. But thank you. Thank you for all reading and supporting the book and sharing it with your satellite sisters and your book club it means the world to me. I can't thank you enough. And so this is a little thing I can give back. So that's yeah. it. Leanne, I think it's a true public service you're providing. People <laughs> need good books and they, they need way to ways to connect and talk about the good books. So this uh, this will really, really be fun. And, I hope uh, we can pull this off, Liz. But Liz, you're going to join me on the first one as like a yeah. co-pilot. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to help gonna... moderate. Help yeah. moderate. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm very right. excited that it's a special test just for the, the Satellite Sisterhood because you people understand we teach ourselves everything. It's just us chickens here at Satellite yeah. Sisterhood. Well, and Sergio. Thank goodness we have Sergio. But this is... <laughs> this is really just us chickens. Yeah. Uh, okay. Speaking of just us chickens, cooking with Liz. Um, <laughs> the, so... This, this weekend on Sunday, I did the Cooking with Liz reunion show 
Uh, so that um, was just sort of a recap of the first eight seasons, Leanne, of what I cooked, yeah. what I learned. And, you know, and it was, and I made a cocktail. You're delicious. Mm-hmm. What was that? A limoncello Tom Collins from Ina yes. Garten? Yes, oh, limoncello oh vodka Collins, yeah. That was delicious. And it's I was good. fun. I was happy to see a lot of people in the Facebook group making that, even, you know, even Sunday night. So anyway, so so I did some reflection. There was a lot of self-reflection. Please, you can go, you can find the episode by just going into the Facebook group and Google Cooking with Liz reunion show. Uh, not Google, search on it. And um, <laughs> But I think there was also some, like, I learned a lot about myself having nothing to do with cooking. And one of the big ones, I think, is that, it's not just that I'm not a good cook or not an experienced cook. It's that I really don't like following directions. I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think that's kind of a fundamental issue I have with the whole recipe yeah. scenario. Uh-huh. And, it, and it was it was revealing. It's a good thing to learn about yourself. Now, I understand within the cooking world, yeah, like I need to do that. So I just need to slow down, read the directions, and then follow them step by step. But that's not how I roll. Like my entire business career has been predicated on not following the directions, right? <laughs> I'm, right. I'm pretty much yeah. the one who's like, yeah, no, there's a better way to do that. No, okay, no, don't do that. And so it's just, it is an interesting conflict between what I'm actually good at and it's been the secret of my success, which mm-hmm. is, just figuring out a better way to do stuff and uh, and what's holding me back in the kitchen. So, yeah. you know, there's some thoughtful, thoughtful reflection on that. Um, <laughs> that See, know, the, thing about, the thing with not following the recipe is that you're finding a worse way to do that. So yes, that's, exactly. the, that's, the, that's the conflict there, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh-huh. That's the conflict. Yeah, okay. You know, and then you get into things like, the great dill sauce fiasco of 2020, but you were there, you were witnessing that Leanne. So, you know, again, I don't want to take people back through the whole dill sauce fiasco, but you can find that episode anyway. So there's some reflection there, but also as we were talking, like there was a big um, frittata pan thing that, what was that frittata was season four. And I remember it as I was talking about it, that do you remember mom had that super duper French omelet pan that we were never allowed to use? Yeah. Right. And it was really like upon pain of death, do not touch my omelet pan. Right. And that was all coming back to me. And then I had this flash, like, I think, I think Edna Dolan learned how to make omelets from James Beard. I think she went to a class with James Beard and that's how she learned to make omelets. And so I, I said that just spontaneously on the live Facebook and I knew that Julie was, was on the live. I was like, Julie, am I making this up? Was that true? And she confirmed, yes, it's true that our mom back in the days like Westport Connecticut the little town next to Southport there was just all kinds of stuff going on there you're talking now like late 60s early 70s you could actually take a class from James Beard back in the day yeah so so just you know Edna Dolan did not mess around right and and I think Leanne you you sort of inherited a lot of that you know gracious approach to cooking and entertaining and and I just I, I did not (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you did not. <laughs> I just don't care enough about it. So, That's it. It's the caring. Mm-hmm. It's the caring. 
I just don't care. But now that I have to feed myself here, so I, I'm caring a lot more. Anyway, so we're moving on. Just So season nine will launch this week. My schedule is Thursday noon, Saturday noon, Sunday noon. Thursday we read the recipe, Saturday's the mise en place, and Sunday is the presentation. I don't know what it would be called. So, um, but this week I decided, I was talking to Monica because I think family favorites are uh, are a good way to go um, in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. And Monica's a big fan of the Allison Roman stew, you know, hashtag the stew, which is the spiced chickpea stew with coconut and turmeric. Have you ever made that, Leanne? No. Okay. I mean, well, Monica- I, I make my own version of that. I have never made that version. I, okay. I work with, a, I work a lot with chickpeas. Okay. I work a lot with chickpeas. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't work with any okay. food things, but I do own, I own turmeric now because I had to buy that for the roasted vegetables several seasons ago. So, um, so yeah, this is Alison Roman's famous, this became like a sensation and okay. I almost, I almost took it off the list because, you know, Alison Roman lately picking on my girl, Chrissy Teigen, don't do that. Like I know that I was an odd thing. Yeah, that was odd. I don't normally get involved in other people's Twitter Twitter beefs. <laughs> it's not not my thing. But you're picking on Chrissy Teigen. Get a life. So I I almost held that against Allison Roman so much that I deleted her from the list. But it is a sensation. This too. So that's what I'm making. I will post it. Um, There'll be some coaching from Monica because she makes it a lot. And she did send me, she said, um, she said, I use one can of coconut milk and some broth, even though the recipe calls for two cans. And yeah, Monica, I'm going to follow the recipe. Okay. Thank you. She's adjusting, but I should learn how to, um, how to follow the recipe. So, so that's it. You can, um, uh, you can tune in for that uh, and uh, enjoy and try it at home. Liz, you really have a lot going on, answering people's workplace questions, cooking, all kinds of things. Well, okay. remember, Lee, and I am actually, other than being a satellite sister, I'm in the sporting events business. I work on sporting events. So my schedule is pretty wide open this summer. You know, I was supposed to be, let's see, the Olympic trials, the Olympics. Oh, no, I'm available to do all of them. <laughs> That's true. Uh, my publisher asked me to do something in mid-June. They're like, are you free that week? And I looked at the calendar. I was like, well, it was the week it was supposed to be my son's college graduation and the Olympic trials in Eugene. So, yeah, I'm free. <laughs> yep, totally free. It's, it's sad. It's Just sad. sad. All right. But anyway, but we always have entertaining sisters to entertain us. So what do you have on your list? Okay, you know what did not make me sad last week when I watched it? It made me so happy. Mindy Kaling's new TV show over there on Netflix called Never Have I Ever. I mean, I really enjoy everything Mindy does. I admire her career and her voice and what she represents. I just love Mindy. And so this is a coming-of-age story of a young Indian-American girl uh, who has, uh, you know, a mom who's a widow. She loses her dad. She's a mom who's a widow and, like, really on top of her to achieve and to get into the right colleges and to do everything right. And it's really kind of an intergenerational struggle between the mom and the daughter and all all the relatives. So she sets it in this really interesting world uh, of being, you know, new to this country and trying to adapt to raising a child in America, but still having, you know, all kinds of old fashioned or uh, 
ideas from the old country. So that's great. But it's Mindy Kaling. So it's super funny. Like not only is it touching and sweet, it's super funny. And then bonus for Satellite Sisters fans, it has a really unexpected voiceover component. Yeah. And the voiceover is done by John McEnroe uh-huh. because and uh, and and it Mindy said it's because, first of all, she said Indian Americans are obsessed with tennis and her dad was obsessed with um, John McEnroe. So she just she sort of had this wild idea, like maybe John McEnroe could be the voice of, you know, the show because the young girl in the show is supposed to have like an anger issue problem. So uh, like McEnroe. So there were some parallels. Yeah. And then she said, we just couldn't shake it like it started as a joke and then I asked him to do it and he is so funny and if you love John McEnroe as I have loved John McEnroe my whole life you're going to love this because he gets to talk about his own tennis career which I know seems to make no sense in a like charming sweet sad you know story about a mother and a daughter who lose a dad but it absolutely 100% works so it's four it's I think it's eight episodes half hour over there on uh, Netflix, never have I ever. You'll laugh, you'll cry. It is acceptable, I think, to watch with your teenage kids for sure. And if you have uh, a tennis fan in the house, they will they will love it. It's just really an unexpected surprise. I love it. It's so unique. It's really really original. Mindy always is just she just does things in such an original way. I loved it too. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, The other one that I want to recommend is a new podcast, and it's not about politics, and it's not about anything you would suspect. It's called Wind of Change. It is uh, from Patrick Radin. Patrick Raden Keith, who wrote the book we loved so much last year, Say Nothing. Um, so this is his first podcast series. He's an investigative journalist for The New Yorker. And this is about a wild story he heard about a decade ago that he could not shake about how a heavy metal song was actually written for the CIA and used as a piece of cultural warfare against the USSR. So... <laughs> And that- it's a crazy, crazy story with talk about your cameos. It has some good cameos. Oh, fantastic. So the band they're talking about is the German heavy metal band, the Scorpions. The song is Wind of Change, which is not a super popular song here, but is a huge song in Europe. One of the best selling rock songs of all time. And there's some evidence that it actually was a cultural plant by the CIA. But again, the podcast is just terrific. It will take you away to different places. There's a lot about spycraft. There's a lot of good terms. Uh, There's a lot of unbelievable rock and roll um, audio that comes to surface. I mean, some of your favorite heavy metal bands like all went to this same rock concert in Moscow in the late 80s. And that was the game changer. I I really enjoyed this series. It really propels you along. It just takes you away. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it too. Uh, yeah, Patrick Radden Keith. He just like he knows how to tell a good tale. Yes, yes, and uh, yeah, and just again, good spies. I mean, mm-hmm. I enjoy spy stories. Uh, <laughs> legit spies. So loving it. Okay, just a reminder too. Last week we posted our best beach bag books list. So if you're looking for that, that's at SatelliteSisters.com. Or I'm proud of the people that found it in the files section of the Facebook group. <laughs> 
<laughs> special shout out for the people that actually went there and found it. Way to go. Uh, there are a lot of great books on there, all kinds of novels, some nonfiction, some thrillers. I want to highlight two today. If perhaps you were supposed to go to Rome this summer and you're not going, I'm sorry, but there are two great books on the list, uh, novels, one called Raphael, Painter in Rome by Stephanie Story. And the other is The Chef's Secret by Crystal King. And this is a great pair. I read them both back to back because I saw an interview with both authors and I thought, well, that sounds fun. And I love them. They're both historical fiction, but they put you in Rome during the Renaissance. And it's almost like being there. Uh, <laughs> but you can find the whole list at SatelliteSisters.com. And a reminder, if you want to join the Facebook group, please do. We'd also love you to follow us on Instagram. We're at Sat Sisters. I'm at Lee and Dolan. And Liz, your Insta is what? at Satellite Sister Liz. Okay. So, sorry it's so long. I didn't know what I was doing. Very amateurish, I... but at Satellite Sister Liz. <laughs> <laughs> so you have, have to know how to spell satellite, which I know most people don't. So good luck. You'll find me. I'm there. <laughs> All right. All these uh, notes and suggestions are also uh, in the show notes and at SatelliteSisters.com. We we need to get going. This show is... I know. I know. All right. We'd like to thank Sergio. Thank you, Sergio. Uh, it's nice to check in with you, even though we can't see you. Thanks for putting the show together today. Sergio Enriquez is our engineer, and we appreciate you, Satellite Sisterhood, for supporting the people that support us. We are taking next week off the show. Um, it was Memorial Day again uh, last August when I put the schedule together seemed like a good idea. Uh, <laughs> seemed like we'd all be going away on vacation or something, yeah. right? <laughs> there were some travel plans involved. <laughs> I know there's another week off in June. I was like, Oh, right. Graduation Olympics. Right. Okay. never mind. But, uh, we are taking next week off, but that gives you a chance to listen to shows you've missed in the past. So go ahead, do some re-listening, read some books, and then we'll be back the first week in June. Um, Liz, we didn't even talk about to-do lists. So you got anything? What? Oh, man. Okay. You Whoa, just no. I didn't even think about that. I got I have to get some uh, coconut milk. I <laughs> have to, like, it's going to take some serious, uh, some careful shopping for, for this week's uh, recipe. Other than that, mm, no, that's. Nope. Yeah, no, I, I have a Zoom uh, Latin cardio dance class later on today, and I'm looking forward to that. So that. Oh, okay. I. <laughs> I also did a Zoom Feldenkrais class, which, you know, I can't, I have to do things here that are more, don't make a lot of noise. Because if I'm doing major cardio up yeah. here in my unit, Captain Quig's going to complain. Yeah. So, so Feldenkrais yeah. is basically just laying on the ground. So, you know. <laughs> oh, we're going to hear from the Feldenkrais people. <laughs> no, it's gonna really hear. good, but it's small movements. Small it movements. is. Small There's movements. No no jumping up and down. I decided to give it a go. I'm willing to try anything at this point, Liam, to stop the slide. There's no cha-cha-cha. All no. right, we're the Satellite Sisters. Liz, have a good week. You too, Liam. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sisters.